The National Desk, Conversations, America's News Now. I'm Jan Jeffcoat, and welcome to Episode 9 of the National Desk Conversations. Every weekday, we invite newsmakers onto our morning television broadcast to discuss topics everybody's talking about. On today's podcast, we revisit our conversation with someone who knew conservative radio titan Rush Limbaugh better than anybody, his longtime friend and producer, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. Well, 30 years of being with an amazing human being who was also um, the goat of the industry, of his industry. In fact, uh, most people in the broadcast industry believe that Rush saved AM radio as well as changing the media landscape for America. And he did. Uh, but aside from all that, he was just an incredibly wonderful human being so generous and so uh, just a joy to, to work with and a joy to know. So I thought that people that love him should write the story rather than people who never listen to him and just have a political agenda. How'd you meet him? Well, I met Rush the very first day he was in New York. Well, the first day he was coming into ABC uh, radio, which was the flagship station of the syndication. So I was coming out and I met Ed and he introduced me to this guy, Rush Limbaugh. We had a conversation about the upcoming syndicated show. And I just remember remarking to Rush, wow, sounds like you're going to be bigger than Paul Harvey. I had no idea he was going to be the biggest thing ever in radio or that I would be linked for him with the show for almost three decades. What is your greatest memory of him on those tough days? I don't have a greatest memory of Rush. There are just too many memories that all flood back. You know, he was he was just a remarkable human being. I mean, it goes beyond being successful at what you do. You know, I think about all of the millions and millions of dollars that he raised through the radio audience, not just his audience, but I mean, talk radio shares this remarkable audience. And it literally tens and tens of millions of dollars were raised over the years to fight leukemia. Um, and then you look at the money that he and he and Catherine raised for the families of first responders uh, who had fallen. Now, when, when, when children lose a parent or when, when a spouse loses their mate, they're not worried about the politics. They're worried about how they're going to keep their house, how they're going to provide for their children. And, and, and they raised money to help pay off those houses so that these families of those who sacrificed so much for other people wouldn't have to worry about the basics, where they're going to live. One thing about Rush is that he was never shy about expressing his thoughts, his feelings. Like you said, he, he was the greatest of all time. He was and is the number one radio talk show host. And he didn't care if he was going to get fired. He didn't care about any kind of backlash. In fact, I was just looking at a, a Wall Street Journal article titled Rush Limbaugh, the original cancel culture target. So, James, talk a little bit about Rush's experience when it came to uh, those opposing viewpoints and some of the backlash he faced as a result and how he really and truly began sort of this um, uh, uh, culture war against cancel culture. The show never stopped growing from its inception, but when he when he passed away, 
we were we were um i think the audience figures were something like 27 million people listening to the show gracious yeah what rush did was something that had not been done before he actually made fun of mocked and explained liberalism and what liberal lawmakers were doing their policies as soon as he began to do that liberals resorted to their handbook which is you call anybody that opposes you names. You call them a racist, a bigot. These days it's racist, bigot, homophobe, transphobe, whatever else. They are not allowed to be criticized. Otherwise, whoever the person is criticizing is called awful names and they form little groups to try to go after their advertisers and, and the like. So Russ was one of the first ones that experienced that. For almost three decades, they tried to get him off the air any way they could. You have members of Congress. Elizabeth Slaughter proposing legislation to take him off the radio, which is against, it violates the very constitution that she's supposed to uphold and Democrats do. The day that you're on a national stage and you start explaining how harmful the left's policies are toward the, gov toward the furtherance of this country and the American dream, they will call you every single name in the book. They had the audacity to call a Jamaican woman, an immigrant, a black woman, Winsome Sears, who won the lieutenant governorship, former Marine, they had the nerve to call her a white supremacist. They call Larry Elder, the black face of white supremacy. He's a black guy. They will stoop at nothing, these people on the left, to try to disparage anybody that stands up against their policies. When you spell it out like that, and you look at somebody like Rush Limbaugh, it makes you wonder if there will ever be another Rush Limbaugh in our generation. What do you think the future looks like for talk radio? Future, look, we have so many talented people in talk radio. Rush was just, um, just remarkable in that he was the very best at what he did. He earned that. This is the guy that started um, his passion, started exploring his passion for broadcasting at age six years old. Okay, he was an unusually gifted uh, um, a performer. But we have some incredible people in, in talk radio right now, and they're going to carry on. The legacy of Rush isn't going to die because there's so many of us that came up with it. One thing that people really loved about Rush, too, was that he never shied away from his faith. He always talked about Jesus, um, especially even toward the end. It almost was like he felt like he was getting even closer and closer to, to, his, to his maker. Um, can you talk a little bit about how important his faith was to him? He was really clear about his spiritual, his, his religious and his spiritual beliefs. As you said, and toward the end, he really made it clear to the audience. It wasn't the last issue of the Limbaugh letter, but it was the, the, the issue of the Limbaugh letter that was released within days of Rush passing, which he had okayed. The, the, cover is remarkable because it has him almost in a with with, with hand, folded hands and it, and the and the, the cover story was a uh, god is with me and that's what yeah yeah that's what he knew and he knew god was with him and he let us know that god was with him and he was with god finally i'm going to talk to you very quickly about the american dream because you touched on this very briefly with uh uh virginia's Lieutenant Governor-elect Winston Sears, because um, you spoke about this. And um, when you see someone like that uh, rise to the occasion and is now living the American dream, this has to give you a little bit of hope. 
in the future of America? We live in a unique country that is still very young. America is not even in to our third century in a world where you have countries that now can cite histories of over 10,000 years. So what we have done in this short period of time is transform the world. We've transformed the world's economy. We have transformed the idea of freedom and self-governance in the world. And of course, like every other nation, we have blemishes in our own history. We have atrocities in our own history. We have things to be shameful for in our own history. But when you outweigh the greatness of America and you put that against those things, there's nobody in this country that should not be proud to call themselves in America. The American dream is still very much alive for those who want to achieve it and work for it. And we simply live in the greatest country that humanity has ever witnessed. That's episode nine of the National Desk Conversations. Join me each weekday morning from 6 to 11 Eastern for the National Desk, America's News Now. Check your local listings or stream it on our website, thenationaldesk.com. Our podcast comes out twice a week with fresh newsmaker interviews. The conversation continues. Until next time, from the National Desk, I'm Jan Jeffcoat.